0: Welcome to another episode of the Digital Recruiter Podcast. I am your host, Clark Wilcox. Uh, Today, I am joined by Ross Mayfield. He's a copywriter, content marketer. He has been with Digital Recruiter from the very beginning uh, stages, and I've known Ross for a few years now. He's an excellent writer. He's helped me create content, our recruiting clients create content. Um, help run outreach campaign. So he works really with small service business owners, you know, getting their next customers with email, LinkedIn content, and he's amazing at what he does. And I'm so excited to have him here today, kind of give some of the insights to really some of the special sauce that helps, you know, make some of our content, our client's content really stick out on LinkedIn. It's helped really drive really millions of revenue and billings. Um, so Ross, thanks for, thanks for being here, man. Thank
1: you. Uh, that's a really kind
0: of Oh, sure. it's it's well earned, well earned, man, and uh, it's been you know just so fun. We talk all the time, pretty much like every week for the last couple yeah. of years. And I know we're just like, hey, we got to just press record on this thing and and share some of the goods with the people. So here we yeah, are, absolutely. and uh, and I'm excited. So you know, I don't even know if I've asked you this question before. So myself and the listeners are all going to learn what drew you into copywriting. What drew me into copywriting?
1: That's a good question. Um so about five years ago, I was working in coffee shops, which I loved, and I had been doing it for a few years. Um, but I was looking for something different, and I had always kind of wanted to be a writer. And so my first foray into trying to write professionally was to write novels. I always loved reading, so I figured out how to self publish on the Kindle store. I wrote three novels um and got them published, and then figured out like, okay. I wrote these books, how do I start selling them?
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, once you know, all my family members and close friends had bought a copy, I was like, how do I get other people who have never heard of me to buy these books? Yeah. And um, so, you know, started Googling, figuring that out. And that led me into copywriting. Um, and so at first I was studying copywriting to sell my own books. Um, but then I kind of found my way into client work. I remember uh, after I had been learning about it for about six months, um, I found a business owner online who paid me a hundred dollars to write one email. And I was like, Oh, wow. I've this made is it. a job. This is, <laughs> this is a real thing. And so I kind of, uh, set fiction writing aside for the time being. It's something I might get back into and just kind of like went all into copywriting and really learned about, um, especially email copywriting. Um, but you know, social media content along with that, websites, sales pages, and all of that sort of stuff. And just really kind of fell in love with it. And, um, and it discovered that I was good enough at it to pay my bills, and so three and a half years later, here I am.
0: That's there you go. Throw throw the apron aside, throw the <laughs> yeah. coffee beans everywhere, and go yeah. go full time. Uh, yeah, exactly. I do love. I know with the coffee though, that's like what eventually you want to bring those things together, right? I, yeah, it, it's that's kind of what you're working on, right? Like that's kind of like that's that's the dream. Yeah, sense, right? so
1: yeah. you know, specialty coffee was my first kind of like big passion that I found after getting out of college. And I was living in San Francisco, and they have a great coffee scene there full of people who know a ton about it. And the coffee's really delicious. And um and it was just kind of the first environment I was in where I was surrounded by people who really loved what they were doing and were really putting all of their efforts into getting good at this. And so I went, you know, really deep into being a barista and got half decent at it. I, um, making a lot of espresso, learning the latte art and the things like that. And, um, so it is a goal of mine to eventually kind of like start up a coffee label or get back into the coffee scene on the marketing side. Um, and in my like job, various jobs as a, in the coffee world, I started training baristas after doing it for a few years. And it kind of just like went, goes hand in hand with what I do now, which is breaking things down, which when an expert does it, it looks really easy. If you have ever been to a specialty coffee shop that has baristas who pour great latte art, it seems almost effortless the way they do it. They pour that perfectly steamed milk in and make these beautiful images. And it just seems, it seems almost effortless because it really is easy for somebody who's good at it. And the same thing with like social media content. When you see these influencers posting every day, getting all this attention on their stuff, um, it's easy to think like, Oh, I can do that. But then with, Uh, marketing your business online, or with, you know, pouring latte art and pulling shots of espresso, as soon as you actually try it, you realize, oh, this is really hard. There's a lot more to it going on kind of beneath the surface. And so in the coffee world, I really got a chance to dive in and break down each little element that made this, you know, amazing latte come together. And uh, kind of the same thing that I do now with coaching service business owners on their LinkedIn content is. Taking something that seems easy when an expert does it, but actually turns out to be really difficult when you try to do it on your own and breaking down what makes it uh, what makes it doable and what makes it come together and, uh, and helping you know helping a barista figure out that they too can pour these beautiful hearts and rosettas and tulips in a cup of coffee um, helping a service business or business owner realize that they can create social media posts that actually make people want to buy their services. Um, And so it's, it's kind of been an an interesting progression that I never thought was going to happen, but has really kind of fit like a hand in the glove.
0: You're like every recruiter that I've worked with and I've talked to on here. It's like, how'd you get recruiting? I don't know. It just happened. (laughs) I just fell into it. And I I think I'm probably partially to blame because the agency we worked at before I started, you know, working with agencies, recruiters who were like, Hey Ross, here's the account, like help out this recruiting agency. You're like, What? And so yeah. that's kind of like where you and I kind of started, right? That's where you, I think, started learning about agency recruiting. You're like, wait a minute, this is kind of a lot of overlap with what I was doing as a barista and training people and kind of dive, diving into that. Um, yeah. What was kind of like that beginnings of like working with agencies and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, what was that like in the beginning?
1: Oh, well, it was interesting. Cause like you mentioned, um, we met working at that B2B lead generation agency where we're basically, taking lots of different kinds of businesses and running, you know, LinkedIn outreach campaigns for them.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we got a couple of recruiting clients probably ones that you closed because of your background and I didn't really know anything about recruiting at the time. I was kind of just like, okay, you know, asking them the same questions I asked everybody, who do you want to get in touch with? Um how can we, you know, make these conversations happen? What what kind of problems do they have? What should we sell? What should we tell to these people? And um over do, working with those first couple of recruiting clients, I kind of realized that This was a unique business because they didn't just need to go after business development conversations. They also knew we were going after candidates and kind of using the same techniques and ways of doing that. So it just, what we were doing seemed to work even better for recruiting agencies than it did for a lot of other businesses because they were just working both ends of the deal. Whereas a typical B2B business is just like, I need to find a buyer. Whereas recruiters, they use very similar techniques for going after buyers and going after, you know, their actual product the stock in trade, which is the people and the candidates that we're they're, they're working with. And so it just kind of, because we were able to like help recruiters in a bigger way, ended up working with more and more of them and yeah. um, translating that to the content side of things, we kind of realized that it was possible to shape the understanding of what how people were perceiving our clients, not just by reaching out to, by building lists of people and sending them messages, but by showing them pieces of content regularly that kind of uh, revealed more and more how their recruiter was helping. And yeah. uh, and so, yeah, just like by doing it, just being in it, I started to learn more and more about it. I learned, you know, like what is an MPC campaign? Um, yeah. or like what the difference between sourcing and biz dev
0: and, you know, like well, kind well, of like- Well, I a job order, it's like, oh, it's actually yeah. the same thing, uh, yeah, you yeah, know? Exactly. And- But there's, if we back up a little bit, because there was a, there was a big period, there's a period from just doing just the outreach, to doing the outreach and the content. And I want to kind of talk about, I think this is, I think helpful for people to kind of see like your journey learning about this, because what's important to actually write on content and what works, which we will get into. Mm -hmm. And I know that's what people are going to want to learn from this, like amongst other things, is. Booking calls when you're like, say, an account executive at a, a SaaS company, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a lot easier to kind of, you, know, you get on the call, you qualify, maybe you do a demo or whatever else. But now with recruiting, you could talk to someone, they could be hiring now, they could be hiring in six months, mm-hmm. they could have a good rec, they could have be hiring in a good way, they could be open to an agency. Booking just a call wasn't always enough, right? Because yeah. we were booking calls and realizing, hey, this is great. And then they're like, well, some of the calls were good. But they'd be on the call, you know, 15, 20, 25 a month, and maybe only like a few would work out. So it's like, and that's why we were just doing outreach. You know, what what did that got to make you realize you're like, wait a minute, this isn't, this is like a lot. There's a lot more that goes into a quality lead call in recruiting than maybe some yeah. other services and products.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's it's a lot less straightforward in a lot of ways than a SaaS offer might be. Um, Where it's not just, does this company need what I'm offering or not? It's, is this the right time for them to be able to buy this? And um, when you're doing outreach, one of the kind of tight ropes that you have to walk is to reach out frequently enough and make enough touch points without being pushy, without driving people away. And so you can't just book a call with a hiring manager they say, oh, this sounds good. I like you and everything, but we're not going to need to hire until next year. And then just send them a message every month. That's not typically going to be the best strategy because it can really come across as pushy and annoying. And so we've kind of figured out, like, we need a way to stay in front of these people without pestering them and LinkedIn content, especially for recruiters, because that is where recruiters spend so much of their time. It kind of seemed to be the perfect solution for that, where you can reach out to somebody, you can have a valid conversation with them, and you can kind of fill in these other gaps, the things that you didn't get the chance to say in your initial message, the things that didn't necessarily come up on your sales call over time, so that you can stay top of mind without actually having to send them those messages, that, which, I mean, let's face it, we, we've we all worked on LinkedIn. Getting those messages over and over again can come across as really annoying if it's not relevant for you and if the person sending them just seems really tone deaf. Whereas if somebody is just posting kind of thoughtful snippets about their work and it seems like it's a relevant problem to you and you can read a piece of content that a recruiter posts and think, oh, yeah, I've experienced that. Or, oh, I can see myself experiencing that. You just really build up your authority over time without driving the other person away. And so, yeah,
0: yeah go ahead. It, 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 no, it's exactly it. I mean, and the one-two punch, I think, that we do well with that we teach like the the recruiters is in the program is you got to have the outreach you got to have a couple messages queued up in the drip sequence but then your follow-up like you're just like you're digging right like you're always mm-hmm. looking to dig for information and if you do get them on a call like get a ton of intel on the call don't pitch your services it's like there's a Recruiting agencies are a dime a dozen, right? But you gotta stand mm-hmm. out. The way you stand out is like asking about them, knowing what their problems are to solving. You get that information on the front end, it's gonna give you those check-ins. Like you're gonna, you're gonna know what types of candidates that they're looking for and like the specifics or when the check in. That's gonna be your cue to some of the actual follow-ups. I should follow up every couple of weeks or every couple of months, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But then also knowing that on the content is gonna do a ton of the heavy lifting for you. So kind of doing that one two punch, right? Like really dialing in the outreach but also have the content. And that's where I mean we see people like people follow up with you a few months later. I think I've had like three calls in the last few days like this week alone. That have been people mm-hmm. that I've initially talked to in March, July, I think June or July, and then one was about a year ago. Wow. And it's just f- yeah. From content, couple emails here and there, but it was really the content, right? It's just kind of waves in the ocean, just kept coming at him, kept coming at him. So the timing was right, right? It's very similar in recruiting, and that's where we've seen people have success. It's just like you got to capitalize on that timing. So if you know the pain points, you're gathering good intel, you're making your follow up and content strategy so much easier. Like mm-hmm. there's way less friction. And it's it's amazing. It's a big light bulb moment for people that we work with when kind of put it in those terms, and they kind of see it that way because it's just it's not really like taught anywhere in a sense mm-hmm. from kind of what what I've seen. Um, how does someone? we've talked about content what we're like being authentic getting your voice out there right you mentioned being a barista and like you were passionate about it you could write about coffee all i think you did you sent us basically a thesis one day about yeah, coffee and a different things. One and question. i asked them one question about this type of coffee and i got like a 10 page document right a lot yeah. of recruiters listening to this have the same, I would say, probably fire and passion intensity of, they could talk all day about what clients do well, what they don't do well, what candidates do well, don't do well, right? They have the, kind of the same, you know, energy behind it, right? How do you get that? Because recruiters are talkers. How do you get mm-hmm. that on paper as your authentic voice?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I see a lot of people run into this obstacle where you set down to write something And your brain shifts into a different gear. You go back to English class and you think that everything you write down has to be proper and it has to sound smart. Or maybe you go back to the last corporate job you had, and you want to throw in a bunch of jargon and make it sound like a memo that you would send to a CEO. And really that's not effective at all for LinkedIn content because it's very easy to tune out people who work in the business world. See so much jargon and so much stiff formal writing that. The typical reaction is just to scroll right past. And it also doesn't help you, it doesn't help clients get a sense of what you're like at all. If you are just writing in this very stiff, formal way that anyone or, you know, any uh, chat GPT could be spitting out. What I find is more effective for people who, you know, didn't force themselves to write three novels and then kind of like reforged the link between their brain and the keyboard is to just talk. So this is what we what I do with clients this is what I do with you is we just have a conversation and record it and then I will typically go back through those transcriptions of those recorded conversations and lines will jump out at me and I think that is great and it's usually not a line that a business owner would sit down at the keyboard and write because when they're sitting down to write they think I have to make this sound correct I have to make this sound proper but really what gets people's attention and what gets people to both, you know, like you to get to know what you're like, to trust you because you seem like you are an authentic person that is conversational language. And so the easiest way to get that down is to actually talk. So whether it's a interview like this, where we're recording a conversation and I'm asking the business owner questions why do your why do your clients uh, find themselves in this problem? like why did your client miss out on the last great candidate they wanted to hire? Why is your candidate having a hard time finding the next dream job? and then they just tell me that is usually where the content gold starts to emerge and a lot of times I don't even like I shouldn't maybe admit this since I'm a professional writer, but I don't even really do much writing. I'm listening to a conversation and I'm finding things that sound interesting and then I'm maybe rearranging the sentences a little bit adding a sentence at the beginning or the end um. And then if if I'm by myself, and this is what I suggest uh, business owners who want to do this for themselves do, just record on your phone. I do this when I'm driving around. Um, I will just think about a topic, press record on the voice recording app on my phone, and just talk about it. Get that transcription. Um, there's lots of different websites that will do this for you. And uh, read back through the transcription at a later time, and you'll think like, oh, I actually do know what I'm talking about. And I actually yeah. do kind of sound smart and personable because I am a pro at this stuff and you get past that that hang up that we've all got about writing which i think you know comes to us from english class and my right. mom's an english teacher so no hate there but
0: yeah it's it's just but it's true like it's different like the corporate you know the stock photos the the random memes like if you're really talking like what's going to drive sales, like what's good, like mm-hmm. sales driven content, what's gonna drive that buying behavior, right? It's that conversation, it's that personal, I mean, recruiting is relationships, right? Like you, yeah. if a recruiter leaves an agency, that's why they have non-competes because the company knows that client is gonna follow the salesperson, not the company. Mm-hmm. They're loyal to the person, but yet so many agencies and recruiters are like, well, I'm gonna have a fancy website and post from my company, you know, just just only on my company page. And it's like, well, no, people are buying from you. Like they trust you. And some people are like, well, they're going to buy a bigger, you know, go from a bigger company. I'm like, no, they're not. Because that bigger company is just assigning a junior recruiter, most likely to their role. Right. So like, again, it comes down to like, they're going to buy from you. That's where like solopreneurs and small agencies like have such a opportunity and advantage with this type of content and getting the voice out there and just being real because as you said, there's a bunch of jargon. There's a bunch of, you know, scams and all this stuff, over-promising, under-deliver out there. If you just come at them with the truth and like your insights of what you're seeing, typically that's enough because people really don't know the ins and outs of the day-to-day of a recruiter. And, you know, you can't complain, right? We we know that right? we talk about it. It's not about complaining, but it's like, hey, I was talking to this client or I was talking to this candidate and, you know, maybe here's an insight here that maybe your rest of your market didn't understand. And it's also a less threatening way to learn about agency recruiting and learn about someone versus like pitching them in their inbox. Hey, we're better than everyone else. All right, like get in line. Yeah, why should I believe you? Yeah, exactly. So it's, that's like a huge opportunity in doing that. And I think recording all that stuff, seeing your own words, it's great advice. And I highly recommend, you know, people, people do it and look if you don't have the time or anything else like like shoot us a message like we can help you with that right but it's just a good practice to kind of start getting into because those screens and calls you're having that's the content goal like that's what we're pulling out of people is the stuff that they're already doing right so and that's where like i think we're able to work with people their first post or their first week of posting right they've been a recruiter for years or even a couple years And they're getting leads and they're getting recs. Now, do they get inbound leads after every single post in the beginning? Probably not, but they're getting some, right? While it's typically hitting that three to six month mark. But we've seen people get what, like leads in the first week or two from posting. Hey, we just did a CTO search. Guess who's in their inbox? Hey, I need a CTO. Can you help me? Right? Like, it's just because they just put themselves out there in an intelligent, like creative way, right? That's going to resonate with the market. Yeah, it's a huge, huge shift. And it just starts from recording conversations. Like, that's it. So uh.
1: you already understand what your clients and candidates overall need, but you can't go through your list of hundreds or thousands of contacts and individually predict what they might need right now. So if you use one to many communication like content, you can put these things out there and show A lot of people in your network, without showing up in their inbox and maybe looking like a fool because you guessed wrong about what they need right now, you can show them that you are thinking through problems, that you're actually solving problems for businesses like theirs. So your prospects can can first identify, like, oh, I actually have the problems that this person needs to solve, Um, and then second, that they they like the way you talk about them and they respect the way you go about your job, and that's when you know you you're building your network by doing outreach. And then you, I think of it as the, like the other side of the lobster claw, where you close that with content where you're just kind of like, I have the network and now I'm going to show my network what I can do. And then it comes together and people start to reach back out. And you, like you said, it's not a gumball machine. You don't make a post, get a client, make a post, get a client. Although sometimes there are streaks where it kind of feels that way um, because uh, they just really support each other, especially over time.
0: Yeah, it takes reps, right? I mean, I know we have have one client that like she's, that's her joke is every time I make a post, I get a sales call, uh, which is great. We love when people get to that point, (laughs) you know, and there's a lot of work to get there and talk to the people. There's a lot of people that are say, you know, I'm scared to post or I don't want (laughs) to say the wrong thing. Uh, You know, like, do I have to like be a contrarian or anything else like that? What, what do you say to that? Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big issue. And I think I'm going to answer that in a couple different stages. So forgive me if I lose my train of thought. But the first one is you don't have to give the complete answer to everybody's all of everybody's questions with every post. I think when we first start working with a lot of recruiters who are getting into content creating, they want to kind of put their whole pitch and basically give all the information that they could to help somebody make a bar, make a buying decision right up front. And that's kind of like the equivalent of, you know, to use like the singles bar analogy, somebody going up to a person they find attractive and just like telling them everything about themselves immediately <laughs> without even asking, waiting for a response. It's it's pretty off putting. But mm. if the content creator instead just gives little snippets over time, day by day, it doesn't have to be every day. All the, every day is good. Uh, but regular little snippets, I kind of think of this as you're not trying to give a comprehensive, um, you know, infomercial about your services, you're giving just little glimpses into how it works. This is how it worked for this situation this day. And then tomorrow I'm going to talk about how I solved a problem for a slightly different business in a slightly different way. And over time, you're just giving people lots of different entry points into your world. And that is how you can start to capture the attention of various people day after day without having that kind of embarrassing situation of sending somebody a message and trying to predict what they need at that moment and being wrong. And then having your uh, reputation with that person be eroded. Instead, you are um, building it up gradually over time by giving people glimpses into what you do. And even if what you're writing is not directly related to what the person reading it does they will still start to think like okay this person knows what they're talking about this person is a problem solver this person is actually doing the work that's one reason why we're always talking about tell stories from your clients tell story don't just t- pitch what you're good at but tell stories about the problems that your clients and candidates have so that um, people can really get a sense of the type of problem you solve and the way you solve them
0: it's so many good things. And I want to re- recap that. The end of the day, people work with agencies because they're solving their problems. Mm-hmm. But a lot of agencies typically just add problems to a company's time. And that's a lot of the reputation in the market, especially typically from your ideal client has probably already worked with an agency. Like a lot of recruiters, I mm-hmm. think, forget to acknowledge that in their outreach and their content. That's one of the big things we hammer home with our clients. Yeah. It's like, think about it that way, right? Like, put yourself in their shoes with everything, with your outreach messaging, with your follow-up, with your content, right? Remove the I statements, all that good stuff. But just showing that you solve problems, you don't have to be like all hiring managers are terrible or all companies are terrible, you know, avoid blanket statements and really break down each problem that you're solving it, making it clear. Don't throw two, three, four stories in one post. Don't throw everything, as you said, just bit by bit, like layer it out. I think I told James, right, in March, I was like, imagine your content, like you're telling the story over 12 months, not one Mm -hmm. post. Like, so if you wanted to share everything you know about recruiting, think about doing that over a year and you'll be surprised. Like that's the content strategy. That's the plan. Right. And it removes the pressure from having like one perfect post. It's just like, just do that. And if you do that little by little, you don't, I mean, the success we've seen people have with what is at the end of the day, vanilla con? I mean, we're not, it's not political. It's not anything crazy. We're not yelling at people or anything else like that. It's just coaching. I'm like, just, Hey, here's the problem. Here's how to solve it. Right. Here's how to, you know, here's how to have a better interview process. Here's what happens when you, you know, don't give the recruiter the right information on a role, the candidates, you know, you, you hurt your reputation with candidates in the market. And hiring managers are like, Oh, I never thought about that before. Right. And like, if, that, if they hear that from you, they're giving you that credit and you, they're learning something from you, they immediately put you at a higher authority. And that's like, for recruiters, that's like, wait, I know that's all it takes. I'm like, yes, that's all it takes yeah. is to do that. And I know that's what you do brilliantly in like coaching on the group calls and the one on one calls is like really driving that point home. It's like, hey, you're every day just like problem solving and your frustrations, all that. Like, that's what your market needs to learn from you. Right like that's it.
1: Yeah. And and it's not just
0: about giving the correct advice.
1: It's about showing these people who I mean, let's face it, people don't get on their LinkedIn feed to learn necessarily. They're they're often just kind of like scrolling, they're maybe taking a little break from work. And so you kind of sneak these lessons in by telling interesting stories when somebody sees someone writing about a problem that they either have or can picture themselves having, they're paying more attention. Whereas if they, you just give them a bunch of advice or list out a bunch of services, it's a lot easier to either like say, yeah, whatever, keep scrolling. Or like, mm, I don't necessarily believe you because so many other recruiters have said the same thing. Whereas yes. if you are actually talking about, uh, problems that they've experienced or could experience, then they take you a lot more seriously. They believe what you're saying and, um and they're willing to, to take your advice. And if you do this day after day, it just, it really has a cumulative effect.
0: Yeah, and, and you do such a great job of bringing out the story for you know, myself and anyone else. And, um, you know, and I think part of that process, I mean, there's, there's a couple that I want to add, is I like, you know, work our recordings and seeing what you come up with and then also having my own spin-off and like writing my yeah. own, like it actually helps me write my own content. As well, So like there's like this cool blend and we can kind of understand like how the voice like, you know, someone else seeing, you know, and interpreting what like you writing what I'm saying has done so much to kind of open my mind to how to help the market, how to help recruiters better, how to coach better and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, that's how you interpreted that problem. Right. Or that's how you interpreted me saying that. And I think that's also what can be really helpful for recruiters, like seeing someone else kind of take their words, but also then it's like a jumping off point for a lot of people that we work with, as well. I think that's kind of a underrated part of the content creation process, and where the people sometimes miss out on on just just outsourcing without actually trying mm-hmm. to learn it themselves. Now you don't have to learn everything and be an expert, but just really wrestling with some of it and just knowing enough to know the value and understand why it's working. Right? It's, it's so helpful and you can learn so much about your business and about sales and kind of like the self-scout and kind of how you're approaching the market and, and ways to maybe simplify some of the concepts to your clients and your market uh, can be really powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the parts that I really enjoy about working with you and other business owners is things that you have kind of have become unconscious for you because you have been doing them for so long. You spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week thinking about these issues. I come in as kind of an outsider. I'm not a recruiter. And plus, it's my job to just like pester business owners with questions like, why do you do that? Like, tell me more about that. It really like things that are important, which you don't even think about because they're just something you've been unconsciously doing for so long really emerge as like, oh, this is why this works, or this is what other, another person would find interesting. And so, the, yeah, we're going back and forth, and through the interview process, we really kind of come up with things that you wouldn't necessarily come up with on your own because you don't realize how important they actually might be. Yeah.
0: Hey, hey. I, we've had those eureka moments, right? And I have, because you looked at me and you're like, wait, that's interesting, tell me more. I'm like, wait, that's interesting? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So if it's interesting to you with someone that hasn't actually been an agency recruiter, although you now know a ton about agency recruiting. Uh, It's been a pretty great education the last couple of years. Yeah, you've gotten caught up to speed pretty quick. Uh, We're going to get you on the phone soon. I'm just kidding. We we won't make you do that. (laughs) But it it, it allows to also come up and then we just test, right? We come up with something, we test, we post, and we just see what works and what doesn't work, right? We kind of remove some of the ego, remove some of the, um, you know, it's always hard. You know, you look at impressions and likes and comments at the beginning, it's hard Mm -hmm. not to. But I think what's something people find interesting is we keep talking about this whole like anti-viral content strategy and approach that we mm-hmm. have. I, I'll, I'll kind of let you explain it because people are probably sick and tired of hearing me talk about it. But yeah, what like talk about some of the differences there, because I know it's a big thing for people like, wait, you guys don't want to go viral. And we're like, no, uh, mm-hmm. kind of maybe like give an explanation to kind of like what our thought process is behind that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind, um, which is kind of going back to your earlier question about like, how do you, um, what if people kind of like have some anxiety about putting themselves out there? Is that just knowing that not every post is going to take off takes a lot of pressure off and being okay with the fact that some of your posts are going to kind of fall flat or some of the posts are going to get single digit likes um, and low engagement numbers. And that's, that's really fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Every single content creator who's ever done it has gone through those, those stages. And even with you know, you've got a big following on LinkedIn, not every post of yours has triple digit likes and that's really okay.
0: Most. Of. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, and that kind of brings us to the antiviral approach, which is like, or the anti-influencer approach as we call it is like your goal as a recruiter, whether you are a producer at an agency, whether you own your own agency, whether you're a solo recruiter, your goal is not to, go viral because that doesn't necessarily do anything for your business. The reason why you're doing this is to market your business, to, to set up qualified calls with, uh, hiring managers and potentially with candidates. If you do that, who could use your services and going viral, isn't necessarily the best way to do that. The types of posts that go viral depends a lot on what platform you're on, but you know, they, they don't necessarily promote the business that is posting these things. If you just get on your feed and you see the things that have 10,000 likes, there are a lot of times, you know, interesting videos. There's something, somebody reposted something that someone like Alex Ramosi or Gary Vee posted. And, um, And that's all well and good for those types of businesses. But if you're a small service business like recruiting, really your goal is to get in touch with a pretty small group of decision-makers at your client businesses. You don't really need and probably couldn't even handle 300 inbound inquiries next week. Okay. Um, and and another thing is that like a lot of times posts go viral because they're controversial. And a lot of times the posts that we've seen go viral, they're not really going viral because of the audience that would be good clients or candidates for your business. They're going viral because people in a separate audience, maybe other recruiters, maybe HR people, maybe people that you wouldn't necessarily be working with, find something that you wrote to be uh, really getting under their skin. So a bunch of people are commenting it, they're sharing it. And that can be interesting in that it gets more views on your LinkedIn page. But we rarely see those types of posts actually result in business development conversations. And we've seen the opposite to be true as well, where posts that almost got no likes and no engagement and seemed like they totally fell flat, were actually really getting at a point that was painful for your ideal hiring manager. And so even though nobody liked it because they maybe didn't want to publicly admit that they had this big problem that you're talking about, those people show up in your inbox and they
0: want to talk to you about it. Um, That's it. That's it. (laughs) right there it's like <laughs> people you know they'll like the feel good stuff all day or the crazy controversial but like when you dial in a specific pain point they're like they're not necessarily gonna like or comment on it a ton but they're paying attention i always say that like mm-hmm. i'll get a post with 20 likes two posts with 20 likes one will have like a thousand impressions the other will have like six thousand so mm-hmm. the one at six thousand that's where i typically there's a pain point people are reading it start to finish and they're like he's dialed in on like my problem here or like, yeah, that's like, yeah. that, that's a, that's an issue that we're having or that we run into and they're trying to learn from it. That's simply what happens surprises people. What I'm like, Hey, you got out there, you got eight posts. I'm like, that's a good post. Cause that's highlighting a problem that we know hiring managers have. And I know they're going to be reading it. Right. And it's mm-hmm. out there, it's evergreen content. So as you're connecting with new people and new, ideally target managers every day, right. Target hiring managers, you make some of those featured and all that stuff. Like they're seeing a profile. It's like, you're building authority immediately. So you're on your front foot, not your back foot. Like so many agencies and salespeople find themselves with hiring managers where it's just like, Hey, what's your fee? Or, you know, we got 10 other agencies on this. So it's like, no, 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 Like no. They're looking at you as the expert, not just another dime a dozen recruiter. And right? they can <clears throat> be like, oh wow, a recruiter that like, knows what they're talking about. It knows the pain points that we're going through. It's a way different approach. And for people that are typically spending thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands on LinkedIn, like why wouldn't you have your profile optimized with kind of what you do, the problems you solve, and then showing that in some content, right? It's a complete mm-hmm. game changer in how your prospects and how your market is going to look at you. So it doesn't matter if it posts five likes or 50 or 500. Now it can help. Right. It can mm-hmm. kind of help like, oh, wow, this person is someone if you get a couple that get, you know, triple digits or you know maybe four digits. I haven't done that yet. And it hasn't mattered. But like that can be great. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, keep posting. Right. Don't go viral. And then, you know, not po- keep posting. It's the consistency that wins. Not one big post.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of. I think of it, it's like a news broadcast about your business. You're showing people what's happening over time. You're showing people the issues that are happening in your niche, in your business, in the ideal type of businesses that you want to work with and so not only are the people you're already connected with seeing that over time but the ne- like you said make the posts that really get at those pain points that your hiring managers are experiencing makes those posts featured so that when you reach out to the next person who's never heard of you before they click on your name they see you've got three featured posts they might not have a zillion likes but they speak directly to things that they have either been frustrated by in the past or are afraid of being frustrated by in the future then they're like oh this person gets me, this person is for me. They are working to solve my issues. They're not just trying to get famous for themselves. Like I don't, like you said, it's not a bad thing necessarily to get a ton of likes, but is a hiring manager thinking, wow, this recruiter has a post with a thousand likes. I better hire them. Are they thinking, wow, this recruiter knows exactly what you know, problem we had last year that made us miss out on some real goal that we were really excited about getting to. And I f- believe that they will help us avoid that problem in the future. That's a much more powerful way to uh, set up a sales call that just like well, this person seems to be good at social media.
0: Well said, well said. And yeah, that's, those are the calls that, you know, when, the crews we work with start getting, they're just amazed at how much better the call goes, right? We, mm-hmm. we, you know, we coach them up a little bit on, you know, qualifying clients, qualifying the right job orders, right? The A, B, or C kind of types of clients. But then you add that with some content and you're just learning about the company. Like the hiring the manager is ready to spill the beans about their problems and all that stuff. So it's just like you have so much intel because they already look at you as an authority. They're ready to give you the information, all that good stuff. And at the end, like you, 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 the ball's in your court. Yep, this, we can definitely solve that problem. This is our fee, this is what we do. And they believe that you can actually solve the problem. And so you, you, that's how people end up raising their fees and getting better clients and better feedback, right? It's driven with that strategic kind of one to like outreach content approach on LinkedIn, which then you can create into an omni-channel or that multi-channel approach. But mm-hmm. again, that's where the fish are. So like master that first in a sense, yeah. right? It's easy. You could stand out on content on LinkedIn versus email and cold call. It's, you don't, you can't, it's impossible to establish that authority like that right. well. Um, so yeah, all, you know, we probably I don't want to beat the dead horse on that topic. Cause I do want to talk about something related to that, yeah. which is chat, GPT, AI, hmm. content, Right. Speaking of not authentic voice and maybe <laughs> falling into an easy trap, to me this is another stock photo, like random blogs to try to get SEO. There's like not a lot of meat on the bones with this type of stuff. Uh, you can do, you can use it potentially. I don't know. What are your thoughts with ChatGPT AI content? Where do you think that fits in to yeah, you know, effective so- content strategy?
1: I think that, like you said, it kind of oh, most of the time comes across as a stock photo. And I think that almost every time a business owner opens up ChatGPT or a similar program and says, Write me a social media post about blank, what it spits out is immediately recognizable as something very generic that the recruiter didn't put any thought to. And it doesn't stand out for all the reasons we already talked about too much jargon, um, doesn't actually talk, speak directly to the pain points, it doesn't have an authentic voice that another person can kind of latch onto because recruiting like a lot of other service businesses is essentially a commodity. There are thousands of other similar businesses who could probably do a similar job that you could. But what makes a recruiter stand out is the nuance, your ability to really understand the this, this really specific little pieces of the puzzle that your clients and candidates are trying to put together and show that you directly understand how to how to navigate these issues rather than just that you kind of have a grasp of how recruiting ought to work overall. And so when you just ask ChatGPT to write posts completely for you, you're getting stuff that a client could Google on their own and and come probably get a better answer. But what I really do like about ChatGPT is it's a really good research tool. So especially at the beginning of your journey trying to create content and come up with more of these things, you... A lot of recruiters I talk to will get kind of hung up and I'll ask them, like, what are your clients, like, what are the problems your clients have with trying to find such and such type of candidate? And they'll be able to say two or three things. But if you go to ChatGPT and ask what would a VP of sales at a sized SaaS company um, need to consider when they are trying to find such and such types of candidates, give me 20 uh, possible answers. ChatGPT will spit out 20 things and you know, five or ten things will be like, oh, that is an interesting problem. Now I am going to apply my expertise to that problem. I am going to go back into my work history and think about all the clients and candidates that I've spoken to and that I've worked with and find examples that kind of fit this issue and tell my own story in my own way using my own language about how this works. So ChatGPT is a fantastic research tool. Anytime I'm trying to come up with like lists of what are all the problems this type of business might have? What are some hidden, you know, pitfalls to doing something in a certain way? ChatGPT will give you a lot of answers. Not all of them will be correct because, um, remember ChatGPT is essentially just like autocorrect on steroids. It's just really good at predicting yeah. what the next word ought to be. It's not actually thinking through issues. That's your job as an expert, but it can really give you a lot of kind of source material and a lot of directions to go if you are sitting down you kind of have writer's block and you don't know what you're gonna write about asking chat what are what are 20 problems that such and such hiring manager might have when they're trying to hire this type of person that is a really good way to get to the next stage where you where you uh you don't have to sit there and think about all these problems necessarily you, you chat gpt will list them out for you and you can read them and say like oh that one, for sure, I've heard about that one, then you can go write a post about it. So that's my favorite way of using it uh, at this time.
0: For sure. It's such a good, I mean, it's just <laughs> such excellent advice uh, for people. And yeah, if you just do the copy and paste of write me a piece of content, it looks like a PR statement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In, in a, I mean, there's like, I said, there's no soul. It's like, you know, an athlete releases a PR statement. I'm sure he wrote that, right? Like <laughs> yeah. we know it like it was his team. And that's how people look at it. And when everyone's doing it, and there's also not a lot of effort. And everyone's like, well, Mm -hmm. I can do that. So like, there's not a lot of effort. So it kind of looks like you're taking shortcuts anyway. Yeah. So versus like actually being authentic, getting your voice out there, like that takes work and diligence. So people, I think, they also resonate with that a little bit more. Right. And so it's like, it's easy. And also when you see the feed littered with like the rocket emoji and (laughs) one, two, three, four and block paragraphs and the formatting is just impossible to read. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, yeah, it's a up, You're not adding any value. So you're kind of just wasting your time because you're not standing out from the thousands of people, right? But if you do it to some research and a jumping off point and then able to kind of find your own voice, like, that's the game changer, right? Mm-hmm. And what you don't want to do is, you know, like we always say, recruiting is a low barrier to entry industry, the high bar to success. If you're always looking like, how do I look like? How do I stand out? How do I be different, right? To yeah. attract like the right people in the market that I want to get, right? And that's, you know, when people are copying and pasting Chat GPT, like figure out kind of a different way to utilize it. So, yeah, um, exactly. Anything else that we want to cover?
1: Um, I think one thing that I don't hear a lot of people talk about, but when somebody when recruiters or other business owners are saying like, should I write about this? Should I write about that? I think one thing just to step back is like, write about what you think is cool. It doesn't all have to be strictly hard hitting business advice. Like you, Clark, on your feed, you've got a lot of, uh, you know, football metaphors, because that's something that's a part of your life and you're interested in. Write about things that you care about in a, in addition to the business lessons you're trying to teach and connect those two together. And it will come across as so much more interesting to read people don't yeah. want to read thought like soulless automaton created content they want to get sure. to know you because recruiting is a business that is all about the interpersonal relationship so put your personality into your content write about what you think is cool don't expect necessarily every single little thing that you write about your hobby to result in a bunch of business but allow your own personality and your own life to to trickle into your content a little bit. I think a lot of people are a little bit reluctant to do that. Um, and I, I think that's hurting them more than it's helping.
0: That's uh, another excellent point. And really looking at this, and we talk about this all the time, we, we coach it in the program is, you know, you, you kind of look at it as like, I don't know, like a, a pie chart or like a buffet or something It's like there's a little personal story here there's mm-hmm. you know a little analogy here something about a hobby but then like some business hitting stuff and then another post with a call to action right like you really have that blend and it starts to you know, paint a picture for people kind of as you said kind of get they get to know you a little bit like you don't want to go crazy personal you know I, I think I have like a a newborn photo of my son, but like really nothing else than that. I think I have like a wedding photo for, you know, my wife and I, like that's really it. And I kind of, I did tie some of the lessons, some of the, you know, some of the story, the emotion behind that. And it, it, it guess so many things can relate back to like hiring and team building communication that in recruiting, like anything, you could probably draw an analogy to anything because yep. that's the fundamental piece of it. Right. So and you're just communicating you know kind of about you and how you think too, and kind of balancing that out as you said, like don't be afraid to you know mix it up a little bit, and that's part of a healthy content strategy, right though so I think you, you don't want the majority of it to be focused on business, but kind of yeah throw it out there a little bit and people that's when people start to kind of get a little bit more attached to yeah. they're like, God, oh, humanize yourself a little bit more. Right, it's not a drone. It's a big reason why I don't use hashtags like almost ever, mm. because I want people to read the post and just be like, feel like I was just sharing a story or sharing something personally to them. As soon as the hashtag, it's like, oh, this is marketing. I'm being sold yes. something, right? Like that, like that trigger goes off. And now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that per se, but it's just like my approach, and that's the relationship I want to build with the audience. and That's what we teach, and I think, yeah, maybe I don't get the exact like reach, but again, it's gonna build that quality like. In a linked, a platform like LinkedIn, which can be extremely vanilla, extremely corporate, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like you're actually creating an experience, which you do that on LinkedIn, which could be an absolute goldmine, right? That's where people are posting jobs, everything else. Like you're really gonna stand out and like get some quality leads that way. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. exactly. It's uh, always about combining, you know, entertainment and value, and yeah. uh, you got to have a mixture of both.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. The the digital recruiter program, we've been, man, we've been at it for about two years now working together. I know you run like a group call once, you know, typically once a week um, that, you know, we're, we're running that call together. We have people on there brainstorming posts. People are sending stuff to us that we're editing and you're redlining and sending it back. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're for some, we're creating the content for them. So first of all, that's you're listening to this or watching this, you have any interest, like shoot us a message. If you know, you think there's something you would want some help with, like we're always happy to connect, happy to talk. Um, But I guess we kind of end with this. Like what are some of the kind of the fun things or kind of some of the wins that you've seen with people kind of get out of the program and the growth and kind of, kind of the step to kind of getting it, if you will, with content. Um, I don't know if Hmm. you want to kind of like kind of riff on that or share with that. I'll share a little bit on that. Yeah, it's it's just really cool to see
1: people realize how valuable their own experience can be. I think yeah. a lot of people think that because they don't already have a giant platform or they don't work at, you know, a major corporation or something that people are not going to take them seriously. And like we've been talking about, that's not really the goal. For a small, smaller recruiter to to pursue when they're going after business on social media, it's about connecting with people and meeting people and sharing your own actual experiences. And when people realize, oh, I don't have to write the Magna Carta every time I'm going to make a LinkedIn yeah. post, but I can just share a little snippet from my life, and um, it might get me a business development conversation. It's definitely going to, um, you know, put another spoonful of water in my reputational bucket. Um, yeah. that really empowers people to think like, oh, I can do this. And this is not something that's so incredibly hard because you already know a lot about what you do. You just have to kind of come up with a systematic way of sharing that uh, yeah. regularly. And when people realize that, I think it can be really powerful. And uh, yeah. and then they're,
0: they're off to the races. Yeah, we're kind of like that buffer system for them of like, hey, can you guys make sure this is like appropriate? And we're like, yeah, you're good to go. Like most of the time we're like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Like go post it. Right. Like we'll yeah. edit and redline where we need to. And and, and you, know, you do a great job of teaching all that and working on that. But a lot of times like it's okay. Like just kind of break that down. And it, it does. It's a, it's a muscle that you have to build and you kind of have to get used to it. And so sort of, I think helpful to be able to have that accountability. Right. I mean, we've read you know, different books and all that, but like by doing and having mentors, it's helpful. And then you kind of break it down You're like, Oh, it's not that scary. But then you start mm-hmm. to reach some of the rewards and it can open up a whole, as you said, credibility, networking, relationships, job orders, better business. And like, that's the fun stuff. So it's a worthwhile yeah. play. Um, Ross, we can find you on what? LinkedIn? We'll have an email on this podcast. Yeah. Where else? Um, RossMayfield.com.
1: Should yeah. be ready to go by the time this podcast airs. So.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Ross, thank you so much for joining me. I got to imagine this will not be the last time we do this, but uh, yeah, thanks for having I'm me, happy Clark. that we, we made it happen, man
1: yeah likewise
0: awesome well hey that'll do it for this episode of digital recruiter podcast make sure to like subscribe five stars whatever things boost this podcast we appreciate you uh, download it all that good stuff and we'll uh we'll see you next time. happy hunting